and welcome back to the Ox Unplugged, where we'll get to Alpha Centauri when I say we'll get there. God damn it, I'm Crispy Crown. I am Mr. J. Whip. I am Hellion. And there's other people here as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Maceus here. <laughs> and I'm closing, Straw, and I will turn this fucking ship around. <laughs> I'm just surprised your audio <laughs> held out as long as it did, to be honest. I was expecting it to cut out mid-sentence. I felt fear. I really did. I felt something similar today when I saw a meme of a kid trying to just do a prank thing with his mom where he was recording where he was recording himself and then his mother said hey such and such please go could you mind grabbing the trash and he said, "Shut up, mom!" And the dad just stood up, and the and the mom and son went, "Wait, wait, 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 wait!" Hold on, hold on! It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. And the dad was about to fucking kill his child. And that more or less, and that just filled me with anxiety because I know what that feels like. Speaking oh, yeah. of mothers, our topic today is generation shifts. Yep. Oh, boy. Okay. So, I guess I'll explain the basic idea of what a generation ship is. Yes. So, um, this is, generation ships are a setting where uh, FTL is not real. You can't go faster than light. Um, at best, you can go, like, point to C. Thousands of thousands of meters a second, but space is very, very big, so it takes very long. It takes decades and hundreds of years. So what that means is you have to have a living society inside that ship going through all of humanity. Like, just trying to survive in long-term situations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's basically, it's not even so much a journey through space, it's like a civilization in and of itself. Um, yeah. It's living in space and dealing with it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's an arc, essentially. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a starship of, of a type, usually either being sent to colonize, or is the, you know, as I said, the arc, it's the last vestige of this civilization trying to find a new home. And so, as you said, mm -hmm. they have to have every and, and being that it's an art, it has to have everything. They have to be able to grow their own food. They have to have places to live. They have to have be able to, you know, create things. That everything that a, that a functional society needs all has to be self-contained in this one ship and be able to continue it while perpetuating the society, perpetuating their their uh, species over this long period of time. So, I imagine you also have to have some form of, of creation of, of some way to grow and create food. Yeah. You have, you have to make a living society. I, I gotta say, the, the idea of a generation ship is one that I really enjoy. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here just thinking back, I realized there was a lot of examples I can think of growing up where I read about the concept of generation ships. Um, one of the more prominent ones being the, the Rendezvous with Rama series, which was written by Arthur C. Clarke, and it's about basically an alien generation ship coming to our solar system and a crew of astronauts intercepting it. And um, it was a really interesting story, just the idea of 
sending an arc like that out into the cosmos. Uh, actually, a little fun little fact about that. You know, uh, Star Trek. Uh, what what's the one with the whales? The Voyage Home. I think is that is that what it's called? Or yeah. Whales. Yeah, that um, that tube, the probe that shows up that talks about about the whales. That's actually was supposed to be the prop for the ship Rama in the movie that they were going to make of the film. But, but, that, but they didn't make it. Yeah, because of whatever reason. But the, you know that that's just one example of generation ship. You know, I there's the the book. The one other another one I can think of was the Dark Beyond the Stars. It was about basically a generation ship of humans going for thousand, a thousand years um, away from Earth, and it was interesting because you saw how this culture um, it essentially sort of became like a cargo cult, like they. We're basically just maintaining ancient equipment. Um, they didn't have traditional names like we have. It's just like single words for their names. Uh, there, there was a lot to it, and you know, it, it, it's just it's such an interesting. It was an interesting read. There was um, like the main character. I, I don't want to spoil the book for anyone that would actually be interested in it, but he's basically someone that went through an accident and basically has amnesia and has to readjust to life on this generation ship. And th there's a lot of like personal drama and things that go along with it. If you're into that sort of thing, but just that, the idea of a civilization like that on a generation ship and how it's affected by their environment. It's, it's such an interesting take on it. And I think yeah. that's kind of the appeal of generation ships, you know? Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of Eldar craft worlds in 40 K because, again, they have to have their entire living society on this ship. That is true. Or another another example I thought of, too, was uh, Homeworld. That's basically yeah. the plot of the first game, is you, are, you essentially are a generation ship, and you're trying to find your way back home. I don't necessarily agree. So, to me, a generation ship is generational, right? Like, you have a new society that is living, born, and dies on that spaceship, as opposed to on a homeworld where it's it's like years long, but it's not centuries. It's not like, oh, we're going to have a civilization, like people living and dying on this ship. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there should That's also be... That's a fair assessment, a, yeah. Now, here's a question. That, let's say, so the generational ship, as you said, it's for long-term journey where yes. it's beyond the natural lifespan of, let's just say, humans. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to have multiple generations. You're going to have to replenish the crew. Mm -hmm. um, in another, another trope that you see a lot in sci-fi when there's these long space journeys is suspended animation. Yeah. That doesn't, yep. I wouldn't, to, see, in my head, that to me, that doesn't count. Because no, you're, you're, you're foregoing that whole, even if it takes 100 years to get to the other end, if everybody's the, basically the same age as when they started, that, that doesn't uh, count to me. Uh, mm. Depends on the context, because I have heard a lot of people um, use certain ideas, such as a part of the crew, it's a rotationary thing, where one... One section of the crew gets frozen for X amount of time while there's a skeleton crew. Then that skeleton crew gets defrozen 
new guys come in. Um, new but guys still, come in. But it's just, still the same crew by the end. It's not a not, new generation. Not always. Not always not there necessarily. Could- no, I, I agree with him on that because, you know, that who's to say how long a rotated ship that crew could be? It could be, you know... It could be several years at most, and who's to say what could happen in that time with the crews that keep getting rotated out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think the key is, with a generational ship, you need, like, in order for a very interesting setting, is you need the culture to change around the ship, to become focused on it, and it may be military, maybe not, but everything needs to be about survival and maintain partially maintaining the status quo while dealing with annoying teenagers. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a game I have on my Steam wish list that actually sort of goes with that concept called Ixion. It's basically like the game Frostpunk in space that I want to get at some point, but you're basically controlling a generational ship um, which Earth has been devastated because uh, you accidentally, the planet, after you tested your hyperspace drive, and it's basically you building a generation ship trying to find a new home for mankind. Yeah, I, I saw the same thing on my um, on my Discovery queue. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I'll try this. Yeah, I want to get it at some point. I just haven't really gotten around to it yet, but it's yeah, like a city game, so it's right up my alley. But Yeah, it, it, eventually yeah. TM. The idea of controlling a generational ship would be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Dwarf Fortress in space. That would yeah. actually make a fun ooh, Space that, Station 13. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, you, you brought something up. and that, Turns into uh, fucking dead space real quick. <laughs> you, you brought something up that I find interesting, what you just said. If that's what had always you know, teased my imagination about the idea of a generational ship, is that your society changes. Yes. Your, Everything because everything, you know, you have that first generation that is of, you know, where they're from. So they're bringing all of those, you know, social norms, all the memories and stories and the the histories and the influences of that. And then that next generation has had that information passed down, but their experience is just the ship. And then the generation after that, their experience is just the ship. But it, 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 so all of that original culture, all that original, uh, Zeitgeist Belief system. Yeah, everything really. about that has slowly eroded away, and it's just become about life on the ship. And yep. they did a really good job of this um, in an episode, and I think it was season one of the Orville, um, which, if you haven't watched, mm. is great. Yeah. Um, if, if if you if if you love that show, if you love Next Generation for all the things that it was, the Orville. Is just that. Now, the first season they lean way too much, in my opinion, into the into comedy. Second season, there's still a little bit of comedy, but they become way more uh, in the true vein of of Star Trek. And then the last season is just flat out Star Trek, basically it, it, doing it better than Star Trek is doing it now. Yeah. But anyway, but there's a in uh, in an episode they come across this gig. They're exploring the the outer reaches of their of the known universe or the known galaxy. Um, and they encounter this enormous ship. It's so big that they can't even see the whole thing in the view screen unless they uh, um, reduce the magnification by a factor of 10,000. It is huge. Um, 
but the reason why they come to their attention is it's on a it's on a slow course at sublight speeds to impact with a star in about six months. So there's life signs on board, so they're trying to figure out what's going on. They anyway, they finally get in and they get and find out that it is a you know generational ship. It is this enormous craft that is essentially uh you have the bridge and you have all the engines and you have all the basically the working stuff that's on the outside of the ship. But then the inside of the ship is entirely hollow and you have an entire world that's been generated with its own like artificial sky. But it's got mountains, it's got fields, it's got farms, it has uh, lakes, it, it has forests, everything. Well, come to find out the residents have been there over 2,000 years. And it was originally supposed to be a new co a colony ship, but the engines broke down and they couldn't figure out how to steer it anymore. So the original captain, the original you know command crew, uh, basically just kind of said, yeah, we're just going to have to make do. And over that period of 2,000 years, they forgot. Yeah. And they have no idea that they're on this ship. They all think they're just living in their world. They know that there's borders. You know, you can reach a, uh, the edge of a border that's like a steel wall, but it's you know it's forbidden to to, to think or go beyond that. They, so these people have spent generation after generation after generation having no idea that they're on a ship in a basically in a, a ship in a bottle. Yeah, wow. I mean, I guess that's kind of a running trend. Um, hold on, let me go grab something. That's that brings up a really interesting point. You know, if if it's a generational ship, you would have to find a means of maintaining things on a long voyage like that and it, you know it's a real question of how you would do that and i think that that brings up an interesting point of the idea of making a sort of almost a religious doctrine around it you know to maintain the vessel in a sense and and i've i've read stories that cover that kind of hint on that where you know maintenance or Either maintenance or navigation become more of like a, a, a almost like a religious ritual where they don't really know what they're doing. It's just this is what they've all how it's always been done, and yeah. so it becomes the ritual even though they don't realize what they're doing. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I've never particularly liked that sort of thing because it, the cargo cults are interesting and fun, but to me, I like the social dynamic of a um of a generational ship. Of the fact that everyone needs to keep the ship running or everyone dies. So yeah. you, can be, you can be upset and you can like have revolutions and everything. Yeah. But you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. You need to survive. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's why I said, that's why I was kind of positing the idea of like, how would you enforce that sort of doctrine on generation after generation? Yeah. And that's you, why I thought of the more religious way of doing it, where it's like you, it becomes part of a faith of a civilization that you need to maintain the ship. This ship, this ship is your world. You know, yeah. you need to treat it well and maintain it. Yeah. Well, um, well one, there. Well, it's a common trope. Two, um, let me just read this this little novel I found: a novel of the Star Lost. Phoenix Without Ashes by Edward Bryan and Harlan Ellison. Just Ooh. on the itself. They have, abandoned, 
They have banished Devin from the world of Cybris Corners because he dared to challenge the elders. And when he defied them, defied them again, they hunted him like an animal. Then Devon stumbled on a secret passage in the hills. His whole life changed in that moment, for Devon had accidentally discovered the giant ark that was ferrying not only Cypress Corners, but other old cultures to another planet. What Devon did not know that was not, uh, what Devon did not know was that there had been a terrible accident aboard the spaceship. The gear has been damaged, the crew dead, and the Ark and all of its worlds were heading straight for their destruction. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, got it off a guide from a local bookstore for about four ninety nine, but half of that was um, taken up by in-store credit. Anyway. And in in this book, it talks about how they rationalize their existence after eons by saying, yeah, the world is completely rational. The world is this uh, such a cross with this diameter and with this in the sky is, you know, they figured out the math and went, yes, it's completely rational. And we have a system in place to keep us going. Well, the issue uh, occurs when people, you know, go against the grain. And the main character finds this terrible truth, tries to tell people they don't want to listen. They try to kill him. And now it's up to him to save them from their ignorant ways. Sounds like a typical sort of... That sounds it, like an interesting story. I mean, it almost yeah, it sounds does. like um, a young adult fiction. Uh, it, it might it, be. That's that's kind of what the Dark Beyond the Stars was. It was young adult fiction. Um, Which I, I don't have any problem with young adult. I mean, it got very graphic at points. Let me put it that way. But yes. Yeah. It's only about 192 um, pages long. And... Sometimes that's all you need. I mean, it's easy reading. If you want to go into the actual logistics of a generation ship, you should also know that just having one ship is probably a bad idea. And instead, you should probably have a generation fleet. Well, that's why I like the idea of a Dyson Swarm, um, which... To people that aren't familiar, a Dyson Swarm is basically a collection of artificial, um, I, I want to say satellite, um, like, colonies, or, like, artificial satellites, basically, yeah, that like, are created. Um, where the, the idea that I, I'm in this context is the idea of a Darwin, uh, or, sorry, not Darwin, uh, oh, no, no. Uh, a swarm of O'Neill cylinders that are uh, created, which an O'Neill cylinder is basically like a type of space colony that's been sort of around since the 70s. It's a little more plausible idea of for a space colony, but it essentially a Dyson swarm would be, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of those, and each one being like 50,000 kilometers lo- like long, able to house, you know... A few million. Yeah, a few million humans. So I I could definitely see that being a possibility in terms of maybe a a generation bullshit or swarm. Yeah. 
sorry, uh, the book series um, that I mention all the time, the Three Body Problem, the uh, the Earth's Remembrance. They there are generational ships that do leave the solar system. That's how humanity goes forward. Um, and there were multiple of them. Not all of them survived because as you are leaving the solar system, as you look back at the Earth and look and and each other and say, we are alone, this is all we are. And then you ask yourself, are the other people, are they safe? Can you be around? Can you trust another ship? Because if you have the, yeah, if you have the multiple ships, yes. just like you said, you're going to start de 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 creating and evolving many societies within them. And paranoia kicks in. Those, yeah, you know, I know I can. You know, us guys here in Pod Alpha, you know, we know we're we're good guys. But those guys in Pod Delta, you know, we can't trust those guys. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nothing but dirty scavengers. Yeah, and the guys down in Pod Sigma, man, the the, the crazy shit that they get up to. This reminds me of a comic, and I cannot remember the name of it right now, which is infuriating because it would be perfect for people to look up for this. Um, but there is a comic I found a while ago where it is basically a civilization aboard a space colony slash generational ship where, for whatever reason, they have regressed to a state of tribalism aboard this ship um, to the point where it, the main character is basically a member of what was apparently the security crew for it. And they have things like a 3D printer, which they treat as like a sacred object because it fabricates tools for them or weapons. Um, and like the whole inside of this uh, colony is like overgrown you know there's remnants of a ruined civilization almost like the Aztecs but you have like the remains of this crew living in it as a civilization if anyone would know the name for that I hope they can reach out and let us know because I feel like somebody has to know, know. that would be an interesting concept to explore with um, like you start a generation ship like from um from your uh start point and then you see how it progresses over the centuries and the millennia and see how the culture changes due to certain things like say an engine breaks down and then you have a subtype of people that work in the engine there's like this is our engine with it is sacred to us we must fix it and anybody who comes to tries to touch it we're gonna do very bad things like that, that would be interesting yeah. to see. It's they kind of kind what I'm hoping of, that Ixion game is. Yeah, they kind of yeah. explore a similar concept of that in Snowpiercer, the movie. Yeah, Snowpiercer is oh, a good yeah. example. It's, it's not necessarily a generation ship in terms no. of what we would consider it, but in terms but of it, concept, it's very much similar. Yeah, yeah. where you've got yeah. these different societies separated on this one, uh, this one, let's just call it a vessel, even though it's a, it's a, it's a train. It's oh, yeah. like also this is like how many times have we brought up Snowpiercer? Yeah, but it is intended to be multi-generational. Yeah. Uh, Snowpiercer is definitely a a a sequel to Charlie Willy Wonka and the Cho Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I've read that theory too. Uh, I need to find I, that. Yeah, I'm I'm unaware of this theory, but we can discuss this later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, no, that's a great example of a uh, generation ship. Mm -hmm. Also now, a good movie too. We've, we've brought up several different ideas about what would happen in generational ships. Um, 
But let me throw another one, a different one at you. Now, Mr. J, you said you have to have a society that changes, but you have to mm -hmm. be able to also maintain the ship. Well, what, what if the ship maintains itself? Oh, All right. Man. And I will present to you what, uh, a, a well-known example. I guarantee you every single one of you knows this, but didn't think about it at the time. The Axiom from Wally. Oh my. No, I was yeah. just thinking about that. Oh my It word. is literally a generational ship. It has been out what there is? for centuries. Yeah. And society has changed where we're all just big, you know, lard lumps that sit around, don't do anything all day, and we let all the computers and the robots and everything else takes care of everything. And our society has just changed to accept that this is just what we are. People don't even remember Earth. Yeah. Yep. Also, it reminds, me of, think. it reminds me of this uh, comic I saw on Instagram a while ago where it was a, a generational ship that was like a bio ship that people were living on. And oh, yeah. Yeah, as it kept oh. going, people kept like using, adapting to live off of it. And then after several generations, people were essentially blind mutants living inside the ship, just feeding off of it for sustenance. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting, a very good uh, little comic. Uh, it, yeah, it's, I, I really enjoy it. Um, they've made other comics as well. It's a good old time. Yeah. Very happy boy. And most of their stuff is a hit or miss for me, but yeah. That is an interesting concept where you have a biological ship that feeds the crew like a mother would its child. Yeah. That, that is an interesting concept. Like me. a space whale going through space. Well, they, they did that in <laughs> whale <laughs> space whale Are space whales generational ships if you're just a parasite on them? Inquiring minds need to know. Hey, I mean, maybe. You brought, up, you, you brought up ships that will feed you. You brought up generational ships. Um. No, no, sorry. This is a stupid no. thing. Is Jonah and the whale a generational ship? Oh my God! Are we getting into ancient aliens territory now? It's like no, no, she's gonna in the whale and ancient aliens. Uh, ancient aliens is a level of dumb that I don't know if we have time to even. If you've start got enough weed, it can be a fantastic experience. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, far out, dude. Yeah, we we can save that for the the Ox Meetup <laughs> podcast, which I would. Oh love no, we can that. save this for the conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> sure, let's do that too. If I show up for that, I'm going to start. I'm going to execute these some of these conspiracies in the head, oh also saying, "Actually, yes, that's a legit thing." I hope you're wearing tinfoil while you do this. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, but mm. if you you mentioned. Uh, uh, Generational ship, it's mm -hmm. biologically based. Well, what about the world ships that the Yuuzhong Vong used in Star Wars? That I was going to say that too. The the Korostrohana. If we made an engine around the sun and used the sun as a as a <laughs> rocket to move the solar system, does that count as a, a generation ship? Oh, it's that simple. Yeah, we just got to turn the solar <laughs> system into a fucking engine. Just yeah, point the sure. sun in a different direction. What in the cotton candy crack? <laughs> no, yeah, because that's no, not going to affect anything like gravity. Actually, oh, yeah, not no. gravity, but it would be very—you would be very lucky to have all the planets in the same spot. Well, yeah. Well, the idea is you just have a 
something that can cipher off the sun for a bit and then direct it either up or down or at different angles, you know, not directly in the... Okay, we are talking about something that is insanely mm -hmm. high on the card ship yeah. scale. In terms that's, of that's, that's, that's a level two. Level one is you have level one is harnessing everything in a planet. Level two is harnessing all the power of a star. Level three is harnessing all the power of a galaxy. Well, yeah. not not the entirety of a not the entirety of a star. Just able to siphon a little bit off off of the sun to then push it in a direction that can you know move the solar system. Yeah, that's because that's not going to have horrible repercussions. Yeah. Look, the Earth is in a have... very, a very happy place. So, yep. what happens if it gets shaken up a little bit? It'll be yeah. great. Sure. Yeah. yeah and then the little four, shaking like... never did anything horrible. Certainly not to San Francisco. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. And then level four is you just throw the galaxy like in Gurren which I love, but it's so ridiculous. I I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that. Much. I'm with you on this, Jay. Yeah, I, I, I can like... understand why people don't, but for me, it's just like, this is completely and pure and refined stupidity, so I'm with it. I break <laughs> your hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not that dumb, but it's it kind of gets to that a little bit sometimes. Although okay. it has been a while since I've watched it. I, so. will, I will bring this back to a series um, that is a generational ship is also an anime and a manga on Knights of Cydonia. Oh! I Knights of Cydonia is great. That's a great that, fucking thing. That's a generational ship. That mm -hmm. series is awesome. It's really good. Um, oh, yeah. Also, okay. it, I, I'm gonna need somebody send me a link. I've never heard of this. Yeah, I'll post it in chat. So, yeah, it's it's a good so, show. Yeah, it's the a very good show. Of <laughs> um, it does have some really interesting points as well, especially uh, you have humans who have somehow genetically um, merged with plants, so that way you can uh, generate more energy by just sticking your being... It's an anime. You gotta, be, you gotta get naked in front of a screen. In front <laughs> of a window. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, but there's also stuff of like, no, once you turn over 40, you get shoved right into that grinder. Yikes. Yeah. So now it's like Logan's run. But everyone's... It, that implies that it's negative. This, was a, this is a purely positive thing. Oh, yeah. When I grew up, I want to go in the grinder too, mommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I must feed myself to the ship to keep it going. Part of the ship, part <laughs> of the crew. Yes! <laughs> part of the crew. Of the I'm, I'm, I'm imagining like the little alien guys from uh, Toy Story, but instead of the claw, it's the grind. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, I, I could totally see them doing that. It's just like, oh, okay, that's horrifying. Okay, Moving so it's, it's almost, yeah, so it's like that with, with, a, little, with a little bit of Soylent Green. No. <laughs> it's oh, people! No. It's people! <laughs> Stellar engines. That's one. Oh god, that's some skeleton king shit. Oh boy, that feels very much like people wanting physics to work how they want, and not necessarily. If you smoke enough crack, physics will work however the fuck you want it to. 
you smoke enough meth, you just won't care. Yeah. If if you do enough drugs, you might be able to actually do magic. But also, not yeah. a generational hey. ship. That's just moving the planet. It's oh, not, yeah, sure. If you do enough acid, you'll be on a generational ship. <laughs> it's moving the entire solar system. That, that, that that's definitely some partnership scale. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. Like I, I can understand somebody doing, uh, pulling a marathon, hollowing out a planet, and then making that to a Ooh. ship. That I can understand. <laughs> Man, I was wondering if we were going to bring up marathon. That's another good example of a generational ship. Yeah, like I can understand do pulling a marathon, but. Moving an entire galaxy, like you, how yeah, I can't even think lot. of how to even try to begin to do that. The question yeah, is, like, you would like, like here's the thing: you have a bunch of plates spinning. If you move yeah. it, the plate, the spinning plates are gonna wobble. Yes, and you don't want to wobble the Earth. It's <laughs> not yeah. a good like accident happening. Are you, are you, what you don't want to uh-huh. wobble the Earth. No, of course yeah. not. That sounds like the, a great thing to do. <laughs> the law of accident is universe, like world ending, explicitly. Yeah. Like that sounds like there are sounds like there are so many different variables that you have to keep an eye on that you can only do so many things. And even with the help of an AI, like you probably need like twenty of them to keep an eye on the entire thing. I- I feel like if you're going to do something like that, and I hate to say this, but I feel like you would need some quantum quantum physics level technology in order I to probably at the very least, yeah, at the probably, very yeah, like that. Like, that is something that is on a, a scale that is like not on our level. Oh yeah, no, not not in this lifetime, not in any lifetime at all. Like you're you're going to need some special science to be able to do something like that. <laughs> Fill in the blank I mean, for whatever it's a cool defines idea special for, science. Like, a sci-fi setting, but in yeah. terms of practicality, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like a few million years into the future when we figure all this shit oh. out. Oh yeah, oh. I mean, oh yeah, it's it's definitely not like well Tuesday tomorrow. <laughs> you just see a random news report. <laughs> we it's we'd like, like to report that me. we have. Yeah, we'd like to report that we finally have the technology to move an entire solar system. Have fun. Like, Can we move what? another one first? Uh, like, great. Shove, <laughs> just go bully <laughs> Alpha Centauri. Just, like, shove yeah. it a little bit. <laughs> infrastructure first. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like, okay, that's... Seriously, you bring up a good question, because if we're going to be spending all this taxpayer money to, like, move galaxies around, you know, can I get, like, the potholes in front of my house fixed first? That's yeah, good. yeah, that's that's a, that's a case of severe priority issues. Where it's like right. we well, we don't care about the potholes. We we're gonna move a galaxy. What? So there is another. I'm I'm pulling it back. I'm I'm pulling us back to the topic. Yeah. Okay. So topic. What's that? Um, one thing. There's a book series called Wool that is kind of like a generational ship, but not. Um, I'm going to uh to spoil the second book of the three. There's actually a TV series that's coming out. How dare you spoil a book that I don't plan on reading? <laughs> uh, there, you might watch the show. It's on Apple TV. If you, if you Oh, then I'm it. not going to watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Let me just get Apple TV. <laughs> but, okay. So, how it works is um, everyone is living inside of silos. Um, it, like, mil- miles long 
up and down and everyone lives on different floors. It's very, it has a young adult theme sort of theme where like, like a real cylinder. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. So, yeah. So you, the idea is you have like maintenance down below who's like running the engine that's money having power. You've got the um, IT making sure all of the, um, the systems are working. You have command up on top and they're maintaining everything, keeping an eye on population. You have cargo just down there doing um, weird shit. So you have supply actually. <laughs> And you have porters as well because you have to run up and down the the silo. If yeah. you need to Hard send a message, it. you you walk up. Yeah. Um. So a lot of the interesting stuff is, um, how you maintain a society like this, because you can't. What they do is they have um uh birth lotteries. So if someone dies, that means that someone else can can have a child, basically. Oh. Um, so it's because a you fixed have to population. Fixed population and fixed jobs as well. You can move huh. around a little bit, but everyone has a job. You've got like your colored jump jumpsuits and everything. Oh yeah. Hmm. And it's a post-apocalyptic setting. The apocalypse is outside right now. Don't look at it. Or oh. actually do look at it because it's the only thing that like of the outside world that people see. Yeah. Don't look outside. It's scary. And the, <laughs> yeah, the wall in the in the in the title of the show or the yeah, I guess the show in the book is when someone goes out for a cleaning, they are being sent to death to their own death. Oh, and then they clean off the lenses so that way it gets a little bit dusty from all oh. of the hell outside. So you got to clean it off, and then they go out and then they die. Oh, lovely. Yep. That's, so here's a question. That's, that's when horrifying. does a ship become a generational ship? When when does a starship qualify as a generational ship? Because I I, I just thought of something where, um, if you're not familiar with the show for all mankind, I guess would, this would be spoilers for season three. So if you don't want spoilers for a show that's on Apple, um, <laughs> well, sorry, but uh one of the characters essentially gets pregnant on Mars and she has to fly back to Earth and gives birth on the way home. So technically does that count as a generational ship? Like when when does a ship become a generational ship? Hmm. I I think to be generational you have to have the original set that the original crew that starts isn't the crew that finishes. You, you, yeah, you, you have to essentially give birth to a new crew. And, and to me, and, and they almost did this in Star Trek and Voyager. Oh, in the, yeah. In the, first, in the first season, at one point, when they're very early on, you know, they're looking at the fact that it's going to be like 80 years to get from the Delta Quadrant back to Starfleet. And Chakotay is actually having a discussion with Captain Janeway about, you know, we may need to be. We may need to seriously consider procreation as a as a encourage procreation because we're going to need to replenish the crew because we're not going to have enough people to survive to make this journey if it does take this full eighty something years. Yeah. And so yeah. they, there was discussion of that because that was the only way the ship was going to be able to, you know, be able to maintain it. Very interesting. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. And let me guess, they didn't do that. Well, well, it's it's Voyager, so um, they didn't technically do it, 
Um, Voyager does its own shit. A lot. Yeah, there there was uh, a child born on Voyager, um, Naomi Wilder, but her mother became pregnant uh, from her husband before the ship got thrown into the Delta Quadrant. Uh, mm. But she was born and spent, you know, her formative years. But she was like this half alien th- race, so she like aged like really fast, like three times. Wait, the start the reactor. But now, but Star Trek explores generational ships a lot. There's like three episodes of the original series where they come across some form of generational ship. Um, the uh, you know, Kirk wants to tap all through all the generations on board. Oh well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Probably, lower, de- yeah. lower decks season uh, had one where uh. they uh, they find this alien generational ship, but the um where they, they put themselves all in suspended animation and they have created this like weird uh, living uh, like goo that will terraform anything. Like you could just hmm. throw it, you could throw it on steel and it'll start terraforming it into, you know, organic compounds. But the crew, they find the ship, but it's a ghost ship because basically virtually everyone, um, all the life support failed. So they're all dead. Mo- oh boy. Part. So they're just floating in space, um, you know, shenanigans because it's lower decks. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, Star Star Trek goes after does the whole generational chain quite a bit, uh, in multiple different uh, ways. Now I have a question for everybody: in a setting like, say, Star Wars, if someone told you to do a generation ship in a setting that already has well-established um, FTL, how would you do that? I mean, you kind of get that in Star Wars with the outbound flight, uh, which was supposed yeah. to be a ship that was supposed to go from the Star Wars galaxy to another galaxy. And Pretty I sure. guess that's kind of how I would take it, is you have a ship that goes from one galaxy to another, well, I which, completely forgot okay. about outbound flight. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm wow. gonna, a- I'm gonna actually then, actually, you, Chris, they were oh, uh, oh. outbound flight was three ships, three uh, old Republic dreadnoughts that were all strapped together. Actually, yep. it was more than three, but go on. That they were going to the uh, unknown regions, mm-hmm. not 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 outer space, but the Vong and their world ships were generational because they spent over uh, almost a thousand years traveling from their old galaxy into the star wars galaxy okay. that was the whole, so they had multiple uh, of those their world ships uh, were anywhere would live anywhere between 500 to a thousand years which was considered wow. really old um mm-hmm. and the biggest one was almost the size of the death star wow that's um the big boy death yeah. star Death Star Two. Yes. That, that's a that's a hack and chunker right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a bigness. Yeah. Oh yeah. Another option, if you want to do a force generational ship, is your FTL breaks and you can't fix it on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing like a I'm, hop over, and then you get an oopsies. Yeah, I would say that's kind of a quote cop out kind of thing. Well, and that not completely, uh, but I, I don't mind it. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's no, that it's not a bad way to do it. Instead of instead of having it break, maybe it's like a limited thing where you can only go X amount of jumps with 
or you can only go X distance with the jump drive. Like, kind of how the Expeditionary Fleet for Operation Exodus was with Battletech. You know, they had to, you know, jump a certain distance, recharge, had fleet ships scout ahead, jump again. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. just wasn't technically a generational fleet because they got there within a generation or so. But, I mean, something yeah. like that going on for a long time, that could be something which, actually, you do kind of get that at Homeworld with the... Uh, the Hagarans, they get exiled on the Karak. You know, they have their migratory fleet that goes on for generations out to the point when they land, they're basically, you know, have lost all their people. knowledge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also... Uh, nope, my brain forgot it. Oh, the, <laughs> I hate it when that happens. No. It's like, have a thought, <laughs> and it's done. <laughs> oh. Chris, Crispy, you were correct. Outbound flight was six dreadnoughts. I told you! You were right. <laughs> I, had to, I had to verify it because somebody was going to call me on that. <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot about outbound flight. That was wow. That was a okay. while ago. So I do I'll actually remember what I remember. Uh, so <laughs> Traveler actually has a lot of a lot of um, adventure modules that they just sort of jam together. Um, one of the more recent ones was actually a they're leaving the setting basically. Yeah. Oh. And really? the, yes, and it was uh, the adventure module was like years down the line of just going out to I believe it's anti spinward and outbound instead of the core side, huh. and you're just like going along the edge of the map, being like, "What's over here?" And the adventure is just yeah, you just yeah. checking out the monsters, which is also. Totally reasonable for a generation. It, uh, it also sounds like Traveler, and yeah. it sounds like a real quick way to fucking die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whenever whenever I hear somebody trying to leave the setting, I think of that um, uh, that bit in South Park where Cartman's like, screw you guys, I'm leaving. <laughs> that's yeah, that's I, what that makes me think of. It's just like, all right, I'm done with this play. And, I just think of Mass Effect Andromeda and who wants that. No, you go off the edge of the map and your face becomes low poly. <laughs> <laughs> you, you lose polygons the further away you get from the setting. <laughs> my, my face is tired. <laughs> now, I have as much as everyone will and it very reasonably give um, Andromeda shit. I think that's still an interesting idea. Yeah, of, well, I like the, the idea. It's just yeah. the execution. Yeah, I, the idea of having a colony ship go out from our, our galaxy to another—that's a great idea. It's like, yeah, you get there, you're trying, like. to, you're trying to figure out oh, what's yeah. going on, what all these things are, what all these people are. There's yeah. a lot of interesting ideas there. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, here's uh, the only thing that I would be concerned with about getting on one of these generational ships, right? Right. You know, I'm. We are committing to getting on the as an exploratory or, or colonization thing. It's going to take us a thousand years to get to this place. So, you know, we launch, we go through all these generations, you know, all of this. The day finally comes. We've reached our new home. It's been, you know, countless generations and God knows what. And we're, we're pulling up to our new planet. And suddenly we're greeted by an established and thriving human civilization that's been there for a yeah. hundred years because they invented better technology that were able to just get them there just like that. Yeah. yeah. The, what I a fuck that. you. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was actually um. That actually reminds me from all tomorrows. Uh, the way that the humans colonized space was they sent out a uh, automated ships that would essentially genetic. They would breed colonists either in route or at the planet and basically raise them with the technology on board, which colonies would die out because they became way too dependent on the machines. But the ones that did survive eventually adapted and, you know, colonized these worlds. Or, you know, developed a weird complex that made them attracted to machines. I mean, that's also... Yeah. Yeah. Don't fist androids. That is your public safety. We have the mechanic is at home. The mechanic is at home. (laughs) Of course, there's, again, the whole thing of generation fleets on on again, off again, rotation shift. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So remember for like a more science fantasy version or more like, oh, it's hard sci-fi but with D is that that's how they explained where mind flayers came from was that they um were a species of high of basically they were navigators from dune but oh but they ran out of the spice melange or whatever the hell they were using in the space crack yeah yeah so <laughs> So they realized, wait, we can process this while eating human brains. And so the navigators who, you know, built a society on these ships began to pull out people to eat. Hmm. Fuck, dude. Methadone's cheaper. (laughs) I mean, it keeps them alive and healthy and allows them to... To see in the folds of space and time. And yeah, I gotta get that adrenochrome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta get your uh, daily dose of spice to wake you up, and so you can see <laughs> through your third eye. Because oh, yeah. you know, duh. <laughs> I get my spice coffee in the morning. I'm just like <laughs> spice <laughs> coffee. My spice latte, full of the spice. <laughs> that, that is just... literally something in Dune: spice coffee. I know what it is, goddammit. <laughs> that that reminds me of the meme where it's like the uh, the little McCormick spice bottles, but instead of instead of it being like cinnamon or vanilla, it's just says spice melange and house trade <laughs> on it. It has that's like scary. a little picture of a sand, of a dune worm. It's like that's awesome. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love it. I did okay, tangent, but I did see a guy who made on this podcast. <laughs> No, really? Um, he made yeah. a syrup that's supposed to be similar to to what spice melange would taste like and added it to his coffee. Hmm. Uh, yeah, did, he, did his eyes turn blue with him blue? Uh, yeah. let, me, let me see. Oh, yeah. Also, how would you know what that tastes like to even recreate that? I don't think they really describe it in the book. Do they? It's cinnamon. Oh, right. Yeah, and cinnamon so, as well as this other thing, and the guy just put it in Unplugged Privates. Yes. Um, so, um, he describes it pretty well. Um, so, okay. oh, look at that. it's weird because the book changes. The first book, it's described as cinnamon, but it changes every single time. It's so mysterious. Yeah. 
Then in hmm. the second and third and fourth book, it's no, it's just cinnamon. Like, like it's just the one thing. So it it changes. Oh, and interesting. I, and obviously, nerds complain and be like, "Man, that's not what that said." But it it's fine. Nerds yeah, are always going to find something to complain about. Like, yeah, really. Yeah. The guy said, "I don't care. That's not the point." <laughs> So before yeah. we finish up, I would like to bring up one interesting generational ship setting that I personally thought was unique um, from Doctor Who. Oh, oh nice. okay. The, uh, the 12th Doctor and his companion, I think it's the 12th Doctor, and his companion, uh, Bill, find this huge spaceship. Oh, that generational was... ship out in space. And it is caught right at the event horizon of a black hole. But uh -oh. the engines of the ship are burning at full, at full capacity that are keeping it right at the event horizon. So it's not escaping, but it's not, you know, being drawn in. Well, what you find out is because of time dilation is that time is going faster on the end of the ship closest to the black hole versus the end which is which is down towards the bottom of the ship versus the end where the uh where the control room is so when they land there what's going on in the main control or the bridge so to speak over the period of half an hour is hundreds of years down at the bottom and so the ones down at the bottom begin creating kind of a dystopian society where they begin experimenting on themselves and doing implants and things because they know that the only way they're going to survive is they're going to have to improve themselves, make themselves faster and stronger, in order, and they're going to fight their way up th through the ship, through the different levels and generations. And so you have all these different societies in between, all at different stages and advancements because time is moving differently for them. Hmm. And eventually the ones down at the bottom get to the point of full-on cybernetics. and they eventually and essentially that we find out that that is the origin of the cybermen I, and they fight their way all the way up to the top of the bridge wow that's I pretty think, cool i think that's a retcon but not sure i've also been sitting here for the past five minutes because you said black hole and as soon as you said that i just started thinking black hole son won't you come <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris yeah yeah oh god I was thinking black hole like Disney's the black hole. I don't. I've never seen it. I've not seen I'm that. Not sure if I want to. You I, should. Oh, we need to. Okay. Okay. All no, right. we. I will absolutely do a movie night if we want to do. We this. have an ox unplugged. Black hole watch party. So Disney's the black hole watch party. Yeah. Because it is. It is both oh, awful yeah. and fantastic. I'm totally down. Oh, one of those movies. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it's well. We we watched Moon last time, which was more big brain, but this is going to be more stupid brain. So, <laughs> scramble brain. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. Scramble watch movie. Okay, you know the <laughs> scene in Indiana Jones in the first one, where like the giant boulder is chasing him. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. There's an scene in the black hole where that happens, but instead of a boulder, it's an asteroid, and it's rolling <gasps> through the ship, and they're having to run from it. That 
That's terrible. So dumb. To, to use, want to see it. Yeah, to uh, cinema sins. That sounds like they went to the school, the uh, Prometheus school of running away from things. <laughs> oh my god! Fucking it, Prometheus, it, man. That's why I was say, <laughs> the movie is both. There's there's things in it that are really cool and brilliant ideas, and then there's stuff in it that is just like bad, like like. Like sixties, late seventies, BBC Doctor Who level of production value. Yeah, it's like our budget oh. is five dollars. <laughs> five? Wow. I know that's a lot. But the thing yeah. is, that, that, but that's the thing. That's what the level of it is. But they spent billions of well for the time period, so much money because Disney was trying to make their own Star Wars. They decided we can't make our own, so we'll just buy the original. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I'm going to start going. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel bad I brought it up anyway. Any other generational shows that are um, particularly interesting? I was thinking Battlestar Galactica, but that really doesn't turn into a generational show. It is. Uh, I would argue it I is. I mean, I guess it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Sex, so. <laughs> well, I mean, that shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and at, at a certain point, it becomes a necessity because, again, you have to keep the shows. It's keeping everyone alive. So, that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's or, how I find That's how I find the concept of a fixed population kind of interesting because how would you be able to find, A, find those numbers, be able to say, this is the maximum number of crew that we can take care of with our current resources and then be able to control the population and say, okay, you can only have X amount of kids over X amount of time. Like, that's huh. interesting. It's, it requires a level of uh, government oversight that, like, society either is military or it is mm-hmm. hellscape, Right. Yeah. Those are kind of the only two options. Um, or if everyone's cool with it, everyone's cool with it. But that requires a lot of background. Like, it requires a lot of setup for it. I mean, yeah. with the way that people treat uh, contraceptives these days, I could see it being a possibility if you're on a generational ship. People could probably understand that. It's like, yeah, we Ma- can't get our population this high, but you'd also have to have an effective means of birth control at that point. because You, you could just, just put it in the food. Yeah, you put it in the water. It's just yeah. that everybody gets yeah. it, and then... Then you get you know, the special if you're happy. Like, if you're the lucky person, you get the anti-thing, so yeah. you can actually have a kid. Yeah. That's... Or yeah, you that's... have an allotment of, of, you know, the of drug that counteracts it, and so if you're one of the people that win the, you know, you get to procreate the lottery, lottery, then you get yeah. to have that drug. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or simply just be... How we do it nowadays is I can't afford to have kids. I can barely afford myself. Or, or you know that hypothetical. You'd still need some kind of birth control, though. I, mean, I would. Yeah. You would have to build. I think you would have to build yeah. it with an idea of of having build- a certain birth rate. Because yeah. if the birth mm-hmm. rate drops, your mission yeah. is over. You yeah. have to maintain. So, so you have to build it like with growth in mind. You have to build it with the idea of we need to build up a uh, or just one person in, one person out. Like one person out, one person in. Or we have, we have ten thousand people. Okay, great. 
That's all we can have. I have an idea. What oh, if boy. what if they when they land on a planet or find enough materials to build another ship, they just divide the crew, build that the other ship, divide the crew, and then keep going. That's not a bad idea. So you just drop some people off and hope for the best. Not drop people off, but um, but just you know, do it like how a cell does it. Just drop. so you're basically talking about making like a von Neumann probe, but a colony ship out of humans <laughs> and metal. It's not. It's not entirely okay. You would have to have the facilities to be able to make another colony ship. Yeah, at that point. that's that's people always just yeah. drop people off and just be like, "All right, oh. guys, here's the plans. Good luck." Yeah, this that's isn't Victorio. I, I wasn't. I didn't mean it like, like, oh, you just chuck them out of the airlock and hope for the best. No, it's it's. I want to see that movie. On the other hand, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> it's where you where you stop. Build up another ship, make sure it's, you know, ready to go, and then on the way, ready to go, and then keep going. I mean, it's okay. an interesting idea, yeah. The issue I mean, is, is fabrication, right? It's always yeah. the industrial base yeah. behind it. So, for example, computer chips. Uh, and as people may know, we don't make them, but we do buy them. Mm -hmm. Um the technology to create them is actually very complex. There's a lot of thought behind it, a lot of manufacturing that you need to do it. And if you're building another spaceship, you need to create electronics. Yeah. You need to yeah. have the the processing facility to generate the steel. You need a height, you need furnaces that blast hot enough air, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So just making another one is a lot more difficult than just you just sit there for that's hundreds of years of just making another one from unless manufacturing oh gets to the point where it's easier to manufacture yeah or, i mean if you yeah. think of or, world that's that would be an example sort of of what straw's talking about where you have a colony ship that is capable of manufacturing other vessels you know yeah. or, or better yet uh, a colony ship that's Designed to manufacture another one of itself. Okay. Would require a lot involved in it, but yeah. Yes, that would that would require a lot of uh, raw materials. Or if you just have the uh, the replicator from Star Trek, that'd make it easier. <laughs> yeah. But how it's do you also... make another? The question is, how do you make another replicator? If you get if you've got replicator technology, you you've got. You know, you don't need another gener. You don't need a generational ship. You've probably got FTL. If you can figure Point out how to take energy and yeah. convert it into matter, yeah, you, you're you're on a, on a whole another level tech wise. We're, yeah, we're getting into Dyson Swarm territory again. Yeah, which I mean, that's kind of this stuff kind of overlaps at a certain point. But yeah, it would it would essentially be like a Dyson Swarm. You basically have, you know, a swarm people. Yeah. Just drifting through the cosmos, just manufacturing more, uh, you know, colony yeah. ships as you go it's, along. It's an ever-proliferating uh, colony that keeps moving through yeah. the galaxy. 
and every couple hundred years it passes by a colony or like a like a group of planets is like oh they're uh, uh yeah and there's like oh they're uh 500 bigger than they were 100 years ago we should probably yeah. be worried about that <laughs> it's like, like that's that, yeah. slightly concerning I mean, at that point, they would probably look more like um, gray aliens, tall, lanky, probably probably look like those um, astromorphs, or whatever the hell they're called in... Oh, what's the name? Like the grays. That's a the good question. What, what would multiple, like, gener- <laughs> like let's, let's say like 50 generations of human beings living in space, in, in a ship, you know, with that's going to be different than the living on planet, you know, what would that do to us evolutionary wise? Um, uh, we'd, it we'd would become the grays. Well, yeah, you we become have... what happened, you'd become what happened to the people in Wally, like, assuming you don't do regular exercise where well, your bone mass is, just gets so huge. The question to me is, do you have anti gravity or not? Right well, do you have like fake gravity? Because if you do, then it's a very different conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, as of now, humans can't even survive survive a year in space without severe harm to their body. The longest any astronaut has ever been in out in space has been a year, and that has done while doing in zero g is just completely just destroys his body. The guy just did it for science. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so either A, they genetically engineer themselves to do that, B, to, you know, just, yeah, we live in space forever now. Why would I go down to that, this one speck, watery speck, when I have the entire universe at my hand? Do we have any final thoughts on generation ships we've been going for over now? Um... To me, the interesting idea of generation ships is exactly what you originally brought up, Jay, is that your society will change, and whatever society you launch with is not going to be the one that develops over time. It's going to become something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's where the interesting part is of the storytelling in that setting is how does society change? What does it become? And where does this create conflict? Because you're going to have conflict. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am the same way where generational ships are very interesting literal ships in a bottle. Where you have a duty to do and your personal life gets in the way and you have to figure out how to balance it. And maybe there's a revolution. It's, there's a lot of opportunities for interesting stuff. Um, in space, go big, or you can't can never go home. Don't make me turn this colony ship around. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's assuming the thrusters still even work. So you know, or that you know, how, make or, it work. Or, or, yeah, or anybody even remembers how to steer this damn thing. Yeah. That too. That too. Or you know, it's a religious mix with cybernetic or what have you. Anyway, it's. I mean, just yep. by taking a society and putting it in space changes everything about it, but anyway. I think we can just all agree that if you're going on a road trip like that, make sure you pack penny of snacks. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Plenty yeah. of snacks for everybody. Or grow it in the in the back seat. Hey, hey, yeah. If you got if you bring gum, you have to make sure you have enough to share. So oh, just pass yes. it around. Yes. <laughs> Don't eat chili before you get onto the generational chip. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no. Oh, that's oh that's bad. <laughs> Because that's just it, recycled air. Tuesday. Well, you know, you know what they say in the future, all restaurants are Taco Bell. So yeah. does that mean that yeah, you're just but... all eating Taco Bell on a generational ship and recycling that air for generation after generation? Oh, that... the, the O2 oh. scrubbers went down. We're going to die from farts first. Oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah. Unless like, we well, can find we... a way to convert the farts into fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone yeah. get your tube. Oh, like you, you just have. Oh yeah, you you just have a Taco Tuesday. There's like, okay, we need to make sure the filtration system actually works this time, so that we don't almost suffocate the entire crew like we did last month. So make it work. <laughs> Taco Tuesday is mandatory. <laughs> Some of you made that. That's how they thin the population out. <laughs> oh no, no, and they can only do it once a month because it takes so long to fix the O2 scrubbers. <laughs> we we can only filter so much I, air. I'm just imagining th this pall of like yellowish brown air just kind of <laughs> lingering along the floor. Uh, you it, you just no, see... and it's like heavy air. Like it. Oh, it's disgusting. Uh -huh. Atmospheric walks out of the room in gas masks and just <laughs> running. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm going to call it here then. Sounds All right. Like a plan. Goodbye, everybody. Good night. Bye. Oh, thank God that's over. I'm going to Waffle House. <laughs>